I'm super excited this morning as well because we're following some series in the book of Mark. And this gospel is absolutely full and packed of stories about, you know, Jesus in action, touching lives and changing those lives for good. So we adults get the benefit of what the kids learn as well. So we're going to be um, learning um, um, about it. So if you open your Bibles in the book of Mark, we're going to read together this morning chapter 5. And we're going to be reading from verse 21 to 43. And it says like this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she, she will be healed and leave. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who was being subject to bleeding for 12 years. Just imagine that. She had suffered a great deal on the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from, what she, from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see people crowding against you, his disciple answers, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, with respect, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, this is Jesus, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. And they said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, John the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why is all of this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kum, which means little girl, I said to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give them something to eat. So courtesy of Mark, we do, we do have two stories in one here, and we're going to try to unpack this a little bit and see if we can learn this morning. So um, today I would like to draw your attention to the story of this woman, a woman that having heard 
about Jesus, okay, she decided that she was going to go for it and she was going to touch Jesus, come closer to him, and what happened, she was totally healed. Okay, so that, that was amazing. So a touch, a simple touch. But if you, if you read, read, well, we just read the Bible that the crowd was massive. Lots of people just, you know, looking around what's going on. Some probably knew what, what was going on, but some of us just curious. But they were all trying to touch and push and bumping into Jesus. Why is this woman's touch different to the others, to the other touches? All right, well, we'll, we'll see three reasons this morning why I believe this touch was different. Number one is, was a touch motivated by audacious faith. We don't know the name of this woman, but we know a few things about her. She was suffering a lot. Okay, first of all, she was suffering physically. Just imagine 12 years with a constant uh, you know, flow of blood. You know, she was losing blood all the time. Probably she was weak all the time. Probably she was anemic. And we don't know, probably near to death. We don't know that, but we know that she was suffering physically a lot. She was suffering spiritually. On those days, you know, all these guys were living under the Jewish law. And the Jewish law said that if someone had, you know, a, uh, they were losing blood, or a woman was losing blood out of the normal monthly period, that would make this woman unclean and impure, and by law, no one could touch her, and no one could, and, 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 not, and she couldn't touch any others, okay? So, because of that reason, she was working spiritually as she wasn't allowed in the temple, she wasn't allowed in the synagogue, she wasn't allowed to participate, you know, in the religious community of those days. She was working, well, sorry, she was suffering, she was suffering um, emotionally, why? Because she couldn't touch anyone and no one could touch her. Probably no friends around, no family around, no husband if there was one. You know, she was missing that touch. No one could actually hold her in the, when, in, in, in the middle of all of this suffering. We, you know, we just ended up this pandemic thing and we were just saying how difficult it was for some of us not to have a hug, not to, you know, be with our families. And that was just a year. Just imagine 12 years of not having someone to hug you and to hold you. That would have been absolutely horrible. She was, her morale was totally destroyed, waking up every single day in that body with that constant blood, flood, flow of blood, you know, and uh, totally worn out, totally distressed. She was suffering economically as well. We just read that she spent everything she had in doctors, weird treatments, but actually didn't work. So just imagine that situation, poor woman. But what happened there? Okay, she decided, okay, it would have been easy just to stay where she was and probably just wait for what was coming. But she decided not to do it. She actually took an audacious step Okay, and went out from wherever she was, went out. I need to go close to that man. I need to go to close to that man. Okay, so this morning, it's possible that we are actually going through some of these situations as well. Probably not suffering as much as this woman, but there is illness in our families, economical problems. We feel rejected. We are lonely, thinking in our heads, God, 
that situation. We have tried everything and nothing is working, right? But like this woman, we need to recognize that all the answers and only in, uh, all in Jesus and only him can actually provide for all everything that we need. So let's, let's take that step, okay? And let's reach out in faith. Number two, it was a touch motivated by persistent faith. So the first one is audacious. Second one is persistent. Just imagine this. At this point, Jesus was absolutely famous. Okay, everyone knew about what he was doing. Crowds were following him. Just, I don't know if it was like, you know, imagine Ed Sheeran just going that way. And ooh, I don't know if it was that big, but it was big, okay? Everybody wanted to be around him. Okay, and this woman, what he did, it was, I can imagine this woman in the middle of that multitude, probably hiding herself because she just risked everything, all right? She just risked everything. And when I say everything, it could have been her life. If she was to be discovered, stoned or something could have happened to her. But she's just in the middle being pushed from one side to the other. But she's thinking, if I only put my little finger on that garment, I'm going to be healed. No matter what, you know, in the middle of all of that. She did. She was on a mission, absolutely going for this, persistent. What an example of that kind of faith that never gives up, faith that never stops, okay? So sometimes life is like that, isn't it, for some of us? It's like that, and we feel that we're swimming against the tide. If you have tried, that is absolutely difficult, okay? And, and life is throwing our way lots of obstacles, Lots of obstacles. And, and, you know, feels like life is crowding in with all the worries. And we push from one side to the other. Okay, this morning I can, I want to encourage you not to give up. Let's be persistent like this woman was. Okay, let's, let's press on in, in, in prayer. Let's, you know, in your quiet moments at home, pray. Just pray for all of these situations. And here, let's, let's pray with the community at church. Ask for some other people to pray for you. And after you've done all of that, pray again and again. And let's not give up. A touch motivated by saving faith. This woman heard about Jesus, believed in Jesus, and trusted in Jesus. So believing, hearing, sorry, hearing, believing, and trusting in Jesus, that's saving faith. Okay, this, this woman encountered the person of Jesus by faith, and the result was that she was healed. Okay, but uh, probably, you know, we already said that she took that step. She went through that multitude and crowd, and she was already hit. She, she had everything she wanted. So probably, you know, she said, okay, I've got everything I want. I'm going to you know, kind of like disappear now. But at that moment, Jesus should say, hey, 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 wait a minute. Who has touched me? You see, Jesus is not just interested in the physical healing of this woman. He's interested as well in her well-being and wholeness as it is, you know, the well-being and wholeness of you and, and me as well. So just, just wait. I want, to have a, I want to have a chat with you. The woman probably, you know, was uh, thinking, oh, my uh, I've been discovered, now I need to, I just need to confess. She turned around and confessed absolutely everything. She trusted Jesus at that moment and said, okay, I'll give you all the truth. This is who I am, this is where I'm coming from, this is all my problems, and this is like the cunning plan. You know, I actually been, since I heard that you were going to be around, and this is the result. And what Jesus does, Jesus said to her, daughter. How beautiful is that daughter, encouraging, reassuring for this woman. 
At that moment, she felt absolutely accepted again. So Jesus said to her, you know what? Your, your, your faith, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Live well. Don't be embarrassed. You know, what Jesus was enabling her, enabling her to participate in the covenant life of God's people again. She was brought to life again. So, brothers and sisters, the challenge for this morning is, if we are experiencing any, any of, it, of this, how daring can we be in prayer? How much effort are we going to put into coming closer to Jesus? Let's, let's just come. Let's take that step. Let's be audacious and persistent in faith. Let's reach out knowing that grace and power can flow from him into our lives, make us whole, and give us life again. Morning all. So, hey, we're in the middle of a series, Jesus, a man of action. And uh, it's been great watching the Olympics, hasn't it? And I was listening to Laura Kenny this morning. She was talking about the fact that she's had to do three events in the last two weeks on the cycle track. Amazing result. I just want to draw your attention to the fact that everything we're talking about this morning, Jesus has done in one day. This is just a day. What a man of action Jesus is. And there's two great stories here. But actually in the middle... There's a couple of really beautiful verses that I just want to pull out for us all this morning. I'm just going to read them again. It's verses 35 and 36. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Wow. Carlos has just painted the scene here really beautifully for us. You know, a crowd of people following Jesus, the miracle maker, on their way to Jairus' house to go and see this amazing miracle where he's going to heal Jairus' daughter. And he was there. He just poured out his love onto this woman who had persistently chased after him and, and touched his cloak and be healed. And while he's still saying to her, hey, go in peace, he gets interrupted by people coming, hey, don't bother. She's dead, it's all over. Don't bother the teacher any further. I was really struck by how quickly, from seeing a miracle of Jesus firsthand, doubt and fear had crept into that whole situation really, really quickly. Your daughter is dead. I can't imagine it. I wonder when the last time was that you were really fearful really, really scared about something yourself. I know in preparing for this, I can think of many occasions where fear has really crept into my life. And a lot of them, I'm actually not going to share with you this morning because they're so intimate. And they can be really fearful occasions where actually you go through something that's so personal. But I'm going to share something with you from my time in the lifeboat service. So I used to spend a lot of time with the RNLI and was part of a lifeboat crew over in Portsmouth. And we were sent on a course called the rough weather training course. I'm just going to pick this up for a second. There you go. Called the rough weather training course. Now this course was particularly designed to take you out in the worst of conditions and teach you how to drive an oncoming storm. Now this course was deemed so dangerous they don't actually run it anymore. 
because they thought, we don't want to put our lifeboat men and women through this anymore. But I had the joy of going through it, which was wonderful. The first week of this course was spent in preparation. And that preparation was all about understanding what the boat was capable of. You know, its, its limitations, its capabilities, what you could do, how to drive it, how to maneuver it around difficult environments, how to drive it through smaller waves. They even put us through what was a capsized drill. And we're talking about a seven and a half meter boat here, which they sat you in and craned you over with you inside it until you're upside down in a dark boat saying to everyone, are you all right? You know, one, two, three, yeah, we're all here, follow our drills, out the back of the boat, you know, back in, inflate the bag, the boat pops up, it's a really amazing piece of engineering. But all of that preparation did not prepare me for the first time I drove into a giant wave. The instructors waited until the conditions were perfect. Now, by their definition of perfect, what they actually mean is horrific. You know, they waited till the wind was against the tide over a place called the Shingles Bank, just off the Isle of Wight. Um, and then told us to drive around the corner. I remember coming out from around the side of the Isle of Wight and looking at this maelstrom of waves. It was white, it was horrible. Um, and, uh, and the instructor saying, right, go, let's drive into it. And the first time a giant wave reared up in front of me, I do genuinely remember the fear. This two-story wave, in my mind it was bigger, I'm probably exaggerating, let's go three stories, four stories, you, you can go as big as you like on this one. This huge wave reared up in front of me. You can't see over the top of it, it is a wall of water. And we were taught that the thing you have to do in that circumstance is to power forwards towards this wave, take the power off at the top, and then get ready to set up for the next one, controlling yourself all the way through this, this environment. And at that moment, at the bottom of that wave, I remember being faced with a choice. And my choice was, do I trust and do I believe in everything that I've just been taught over the course of the week and push forward and power towards this wave, or freeze? But freezing means that you become victim and succumb to and have to deal with whatever that wave is going to throw at you. I did choose to drive at it, choose to drive at it, and fortunately we did get through it, um, and we got through it safely. Um, no one had any instances or capsizes, and we all learned a lot. We came away exhilarated, still a bit scared, um, but also knowing that we had something to rely on if we ever, ever faced that situation again. Recently, a, um, a military friend of mine said to me about fear. He said, Will, fear is a response to your situations, but courage is a choice. And I was reflecting on that, preparing for today, actually thinking, well, actually, you know, fear is our response to the situations that we face as Christians, but belief for us is a choice. Belief in what we have read, we have the word. Belief in what we have seen, and belief in what we know of our Savior Jesus. The times when we know he's touched our lives that we can bank on and go back to, even when times are hard. So when that fear comes, that comes out in lots of different ways. You know, fear, anxiety. There is loads in the word that we can go back to. Just take Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present all your requests to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what about Jairus? What about the ruler of the synagogue in this situation? He's just heard that news, your daughter is dead. But he had just seen and he just heard Jesus heal a woman because of his faith. And Jesus, with 
I can't imagine how much love at that time turns around and says, do not be afraid. Just believe. And he chose to believe. He chose to start that journey back to his house, taking Jesus with him to see his daughter, who he's been told is dead. So where do we need to hear that again? Carlos has already challenged us. Where do we need to hear that in our lives? Where do we need to hear Jesus say, hey, don't be afraid. Only believe. Where do we need to lean on that word and not limit his lack of power? Mark 21, verses 21 to 22 say, Jesus replied, this is just after he withered the fig tree, if you remember that bit. Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. That can be difficult. I know there's lots of things we're praying for and we're asking for and we're believing for that don't always happen. But actually, this is an instruction from Jesus to keep asking, to be persistent, to have that persistent faith, that audacious faith around those things, those those fears and anxieties we have. But ultimately, it's not just about those situations. Why does this belief matter? Because there is a bigger picture. Because although earthly trials and sufferings will come, ultimately, choosing belief and rejecting fear means that we accept Christ as our saviour. And we will know the fullness of our lives that will only come through that and through him. Let's just have a look at John 20, finally, 30 to 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. I mean, Mark is full of miracles, and there's a whole load more. Jesus is a man of action. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. Yeah, that's so good. It's so refreshing, isn't it? So we've got this idea of, um, not this idea, rather, what we've learned is from this woman, we see a woman who is willing to put all her chips on Christ. She's willing to give it all. And so she has this faith, this audacious, outrageous faith in Jesus Christ. And that was what Carlos was telling us. And then we have Will telling us, well, you know, what about belief? In in those moments, we might have experienced it. But how do we keep on keeping on believing in who Jesus is and and, and not letting, like, like, you know, the color black isn't actually, it's not, the color black is the absence of something else. So black is just, space is black because there's no light. And fear is almost like that. When there's no courage, you're left with fear, this kind of dark void. And how do we keep on in courage by choosing to hold on to? Well, so how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this? Well, let me go off piste quickly with a story or two, and then we'll revert back. Five years ago, a lady called Emily Campbell, you may know of her name now, but you probably wouldn't have a couple of weeks ago. Emily Campbell was brought up in an athletic home. So uh, they would do, I think, javelin, hammer throws, a lot of hammer throws, but never any weightlifting. That was never on the cards until five years ago. Five years ago, she was working as a school teacher with kids with special educational needs. And uh, she would start lifting some weights and become very good at it very quickly. Uh, she uh, ended up being on the British kind of weightlifting kind of program, but no one in Great British history and no female has won a weightlifting medal at all. So she 
uh, couldn't get any lottery funding, so she funded it all by herself and by her community. She's a size 16 plus, so she struggled to get sponsorships because people just don't make clothes for athletes that are size 16 plus. So she did this all by herself. And Emily won, arguably, Britain's most inspirational medal only last week in the weightlifting competition. She got silver. Now, if we were to rewind five years ago, and Emily was to say it to herself, or Emily to us, or her family to us, that Emily Campbell will win an Olympic medal, what would our response probably be? We'd laugh. That is ridiculous. You've never lifted up, you've never clean and jerked in your life. You've never lifted up you know, anything like that in your life. No chance. Ridiculous, right? And that would be a right response. Genesis chapter 18, we learn um, of a lady called Sarah. Sarah is uh, married to Abraham, and Abraham has an encounter with God, and God says to them, uh, this time next year, you're going to have a child. Great news, right? Not if you're a woman in your 90s. Sarah says, I can't even tie my shoelaces there's no, there's no C-sections available in this time. I've got to give natural birth in my 90s. No, thank you. Um, Abraham tells Sarah of this promise. What does Sarah do? She laughs. And what's interesting about her laughter is this. Listen to this. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. This is interesting. So Sarah gets caught out about her laughter. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But Abraham said, yes, you did. Yes, you did. You know, laughter is an interesting thing. You know, we cannot conjure up laughter. It's very hard, particularly at the dinner table with a friend who thinks they're being really funny, but actually it's really awkward. Like, what do I say here? Uh, drink, please. Um, we, can't conjure, we can't fake laughter. It's really hard to do. And actually laughing on our own is really hard. Often laughing, laughter happens in a community. Social scientists say that very rarely do we laugh at jokes. Laughter happens at situations. Because what laughter is, it's, the, it's an undiluted, unconscious response. Have you ever had that moment where someone tells you really serious and somber, like it's a really dark moment, and you're like, you just find yourself laughing? This is really inappropriate. Um, in the medical world, there's a lot of like dark humor. You laugh at all sorts of things, like to kind of way to get through situations. But, but what laughter does is it reveals the heart's disposition. It reveals where you're at in that moment, at that time. And you can't fake it. Emily Campbell, medalist, don't be ridiculous. In my 90s, I have a child, don't be silly. How did these people respond in the moment? It says, they laughed at him. Jesus says, your child isn't dead. She's asleep. And they laughed at Jesus Christ. Interesting. That's our response this morning, or can be our response. No ways. 
It could be you're a non-Christian here this morning and you're visiting with us and you're going, Jesus, man of action, healed people as the son of God rose again. And you might not be an outward laughter like we might know about it, but and you're going like this. <coughs> What's a load of rubbish? You know, that kind of. Hey, but before we get too judgmental, Christian, what's probably slightly more discouraging than the person laughing at Christ through lack of belief is the Christian laughing at God over the promises he said over your life that don't, haven't come to pass yet. Laughing at the promises of God like Sarah. <laughs> no chance. Really? Is that going to happen, God? I, mean, I know you promised this to me. Years ago, months ago. I know I received that word from that person. I know I've read it in scripture. I know, know, but come on. Really? And maybe we've laughed at him in the last season of life, for whatever reason. They laughed at him. You know, but God is good. We believe this in the Bible. Because you know what? Emily Campbell does win silver. Uh... Sarah has a child and they call him Isaac, which means he laughs. And Jesus says this child she can raise up and she has something to eat. And he later goes on to die on a cross, rise again and ascend into heaven and defeating all death. So the good news about the Christian story is that Jesus gets the last laugh. And what he invites us to do is like what Peter says in 1 Peter, which is this. In response to this, don't laugh at me, at my promises. Don't laugh at me if you think I'm not who I say I am. But laugh with me, because in 1 Peter 1, it says we are to respond with inexpressible joy and thanksgiving and praise. The Christians should be, have, we should be laughing with God. It is ridiculous, but it's happened. These are my experiences. This is what I've seen. This is what I've read. That's rid- and I'm laughing with you, Lord, because it's so ridiculous, but so true. That's causing me to praise and be joyful. And if you're a non-Christian, I invite you to look and examine your life and what you are building your life upon and afford it the same sort of laughing at and sniggering before you do that to Christ. Challenge it a little bit. But also, if you have more questions, come and talk through. We'd love to talk with you. Who is Jesus? What has he done? This man of action, what are his claims? And maybe that laughing at him could be turned to laughing with him this morning. You know, whether it was Emily Campbell five years ago, we wouldn't have believed she'd win silver. Maybe it was you five minutes ago walking through those doors, never believing, I'm never going to become a Christian. But something about the story of Jesus captivates you, or has captivated you this morning. So Jesus would invite us, let's laugh. Not at him, let's laugh with him. But one thing I want us to do now, I'm going to close it here, and I'm going to invite us to pray over this, is that as we were preparing for this, I really feel the spirit, I feel for the Christians in the room, I feel like we've been like the gyrus or those people in, and we've, been, we've declared death over situations that are merely slumbering. We've said that situation is dead and God would say this morning through the spirit, it's not dead. It's just dormant for the right time, okay? It will come back. I want to encourage you with that. I want, God wants to encourage, the spirit wants to encourage us this morning. It's not dead, It's just not the right time.